0: If you would please tonight to 2nd Peter chapter 1, 2nd Peter chapter 1, Amen. welcome back to prayer service. Amen. On the way over here, we were listening to some praise and worship and one of the things that were in this particular song, the lyrics said, the more we pray, the more we see. Yeah, yeah. I'm agreeing with that. The more we pray, the more we're seeing. Hallelujah. And so why stop? Yeah. God is just doing too many wonderful things. And uh, no doubt that at some point the Lord will uh, probably redirect us on this Wednesday night to some other focus. But we should never let that keep us from praying. We should always pray. Praise God. So, Father, we thank you for uh, this divine partnership between heaven and earth. The kingdom is in two realms. I thank you that we are the body of Christ. He's the head, but we're the body. And we always exalt the head, and that's right, and that's good. But the head can't carry out his mission without his body. And so, so good to be hands and feet for Jesus. So good to be uh, ones that can uh, lay hold of things for ourselves, for others, for things related to the plan of God in prayer. Teach us tonight, Father, more about prayer, its importance, how to be skillful with it. And for everyone here, everyone watching, I pray, God, that you would continue to stir and ignite and birth within the heart of every one of us a more intense desire to fellowship with you, talk to you, praise you, worship you, declare your word, speak in tongues, intercede, stand in the gap, Uh, uh, lay hold of things for other people, and advance your plan in this earth through prayer. We all have a supply to bring, and I pray that we would bring it, and bring it faithfully and ever more skillfully, in Jesus' name, amen. 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 So this week, I had, uh, in my study, pulled back some material out uh, from EM Bounds, Ian uh, e. Bounds wrote several books uh, primarily on the subject of prayer, and he had a lot of revelation. So uh, if I'm not exactly quoting him tonight, uh, there are statements that I'll make that are in keeping with my study. So I'm giving him a little bit of credit tonight. And, uh, but I, before we spend some time in prayer, I want to talk about uh, the relationship between prayer and God's promises. Prayer and God's promises. Amen. And so let's read this passage here. 2 Peter chapter 1, beginning in verse 1, but we're heading to verse number 4. Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ to them that have obtained like precious faith. Notice right at the outset, our faith that we have is mentioned. You know, we don't have a different faith from what the apostle Peter had. He's writing here under the unction of the Spirit, and he says that we've obtained like precious faith. Amen. Together with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied to you through the knowledge of our God. Look at that. The more you learn about God, the more you know about God, the more peace you're going to (laughs) have. Amen. The more grace you're going to experience according as His divine power has given unto us, look at this, all things, all things. This is not something that's going to happen. This is something that we've already received. This is something that God has already given. What do we need that God has not given? Nothing, nothing. This verse says that God has given unto us all things. All things that, what, pertain to life. So anything that pertains to your life in any realm, spiritually, physically, financially, socially, it's already been given. Another scripture that supports that is Ephesians 1.3. Ephesians 1.3 says that we have already been blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen. So we've already been blessed with everything we're going to need to walk out and live an overcoming, victorious life. Amen. Amen. Also, things are given unto us related to godliness. Now, notice it's through the knowledge of Him that has called us to glory and virtue. Here's that verse. Whereby are given unto us exceeding great. Not just great. Exceeding great and what? Precious promises. Now again, I like to just point out the language. Words matter. What comes next is the words that by these, that by these, by these what? By these exceeding great and precious promises, we become partakers of the divine nature in other words, he is saying to us that we have been given in the form of exceeding great and precious promises what we need to enter into and live our life in many respects, the God kind and the God quality of life. Yeah. Amen. And that fits right. That fits what Jesus said that he came to bring us in John ten ten. I came that you might have life. And that you might have it more abundantly. That word life is Zoe. It's not natural life, human life. Zoe is the Greek word for the God kind of life. So, how, my brother, how, my sister, are you going to begin to partake of the divine nature? You know, the divine nature is not sick, the divine nature is not oppressed, the divine nature doesn't have any phobias. The divine nature is not broken, poor. Right. Amen. Amen. So how do we, it's, it should be obvious. I'm waiting for you to talk back to me. How do we partake of the divine nature? By, the exceeding By these exceeding great and precious promises. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So, huh. Oh, hallelujah. Just look in here. Yeah. You know, Jesus paid a horrific price to purchase our redemption. Amen. And in the purchase of our redemption, as you know, he did not just win our freedom from hell and freedom from punishment from the guilt of our sin. Thank God that includes that. But this verse is one of many in the New Testament that tell us that we have been given an inheritance that is vast, that covers everything, everything. Jesus paid a price so that you and I could be redeemed, bought out of, and to be free from the curse of the law. Amen? The curse of the law, if you read about that in Deuteronomy 28, is going to include everything you don't want. Everything nobody wants to have happen to them, all kinds of sicknesses, diseases, tragedies, accidents, destructive things, poverty, is all part of the curse of the law. And we've been redeemed from the curse of the law. And so everything that Jesus bought, everything that Jesus paid for has been made available and it has been given to you in a specific form. Your healing has been already given to you in the form of a promise. The empowerment of the Holy Ghost has been given to you in the form of a promise. Peter preaching about the baptism with the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2 said, for the promise is unto you. Referring to being filled with the Spirit speaking in other tongues. He said he called it a promise. The promise is unto you. To your children and to as many of them as are afar off. Yeah. Your, need, your bills being paid, that's already been given. It's, it's already been, God doesn't need to do it. He's already paid for it and he's given it to you in a certain form. Oh, yeah. The form of a promise. Yeah. But as you have found out by experience, the fact that God paid for it and the fact that he gave it to you in the I promise I bequeath this to you doesn't mean we're going to experience a lick of it God having promised and God having paid does not equal our experiencing it and this is where prayer comes in you know we have to learn and become acquainted with God's ways God has ways. And the way you're going to be healed is by doing the right thing with His way. His way to heal you is the promise. You've got to add the catalyst. You know, healing is pr- like salvation. And then for those that get saved, the fullness of the inheritance, it's for us all. Nobody's left out. Amen? We're all standing on equal footing. And God's promised all of these things to all of us. Well, how do we make them individualized? This is where your prayer is going to come in. Amen? Amen. Amen. Praise God. Peter talks about in his first letter that the promise of God or the Word of God is the incorruptible seed. Amen. Amen? So another way to say it is everything you'd ever need or want from God has been given to you in the form of a bag of seed. (laughs) It's your job to now work the process. Your heart is the soil. Amen. But it is your faith-filled, believing, persevering, praise-filled, continued prayer that is the catalyst, that is the sickle Amen? That once you sow the healing seed, once you sow the financial prosperity seed, once you sow the seed of God's word of divine protection into the ground of your heart, it's going to spring forth, it's going to bear fruit, and it's going to come to harvest. Amen? But for you to actually experience it, you've got to take the sickle of prayer and your faith, amen, and reap what you need and want from God. Amen. So this whole thing, I, I keep rotating back to this because it's such a pervasive mentality and, and problem in the body of Christ that if it will be, it will be. If God wants me to have it, I'll have it. If he doesn't, I won't. Uh, that's probably been driven out of you. If you've been with me very long, I hope it has. But that, that thought, that idea is it's always sort of floating around out there. Amen. And uh, but God's promise belongs to us, but we must add prayer to the promise. Amen. Listen, uh, listen to this: prayer and the promises are interdependent. They're interdependent. The promise inspires and energizes prayer. So I get into the Word and I fellowship in His promises, and I go, "Whoa, yeah, He do what? He'll do what?" He meets all my needs? Amen. Well, that's there just not for me to get excited about it. He gave it in the form of a promise. Now it's my job to unlock that promise and get it into reality in my life. And I'm going to do that by prayer and faith. Amen. 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 So the promise inspires and energizes prayer, but it's prayer that locates the promise. Uh, Ian e. Bounds gave the uh, analogy or the illustration like this when there let's consider like healing in the form of rain that God gives. So God causes it to rain. Amen. Well, how are you going to get the general rain of God's healing power into your life individually? Well, like at my house, we just uh, last year put on big new heavy gauge higher capacity gutters on our house. We got a lot of roof and a a steep roof line and, and, you know, it it rains. And so anyway, but we have a a garden area on the far side of our separate building, a shop that is kind of hard to get a hose to from the spigot on the house. So we got a big, massive plastic container. Amen. And when those guys installed my new gutters, he, he did me a solid uh, he, he routed a gutter down into that, into that container, and I just put a hose attachment on the bottom of that thing, and we have gravity-fed water to that area of our garden. So God causes it to rain, but I'm collecting the rain, and what I built is directing what God gave to where I want it, to where I need it to go. Amen? Amen. Listen, in the realm of the Spirit, it's reigning prosperity. It's reigning victory. It's reigning healing and protection and peace and joy and everything you want, dream, need, and imagine. But it's your prayer and it's your faith that's going to build the gutter, the pipeline to your specific need. And if you don't do that, if you don't build that through your prayer life, then the general rain isn't going to land on you. Amen? Amen? It's like Jackson Purchase provided the power to the building, but it's us. Right. It, it was Amber and I and, and the team and the architect that decided where to pipe all that power. Where did we want power available? Where did we want the power to manifest? Right. Amen. And as we've grown and changed and done things, if you know, like that uh, little... Um, bathroom that we just finished we wanted power in there well we you know we just didn't say oh God send the power (laughs) we knew power was here but we had to pipe for the power and so you and I have to take personal responsibility for all the promises of God that are available to all of us Uh and pipe through prayer and faith those promises into our life The great thing about this is that to a great degree, God will allow us through our prayer and faith to pipe power to other people that either don't know to do it or too lazy to do it or just not doing it. And we can still be a blessing to them in that way. James chapter 5 says that the effectual, fervent, continued prayer of a righteous man does what? It makes power available. Amen. All right, so let me continue with this. The promise is like the blessed rain falling in full showers, but prayer, like the pipes which transmit, preserve, and direct the rain, localizes the rain and precipitates these promises until they become local and personal and bless, refresh, and fertilize our lives. Prayer takes hold of the promise and conducts it to its marvelous ends it removes all the obstacles and makes a highway for the promise to God's glorious fulfillment. Amen. That's E in bounds. Amen? amen? I like that. So we know that all the promises of God are yes and amen, amen. to anyone that's in Christ. All of the promises are yes and amen. You know, but, so why aren't we, why are Christians so beat up? Why are we Living so low, why are we struggling like we are? Well, could it be uh, that James chapter 4, verse 2 is you? James chapter 4, verse 2, it says you lust and have not. In other words, this word lust here, um, you know, you hear the word lust and you think that's really bad. But the word lust really means to have a strong desire, a strong desire. So let's translate it like that. You have a strong desire to be healed, but you're not healed. You have a strong desire for your needs to be met, but they're not met. You have a strong desire and you have not. You kill in desire to have and can, look at that, and cannot obtain, cannot obtain. You fight and war, yet you have not because you ask not. Amen. The simple lack of making a personal demand with your request in faith, in prayer to God, how simple is it? And if we're of the mentality, well, if God wants me to have it, he will. And if he doesn't, then he won't. God's big enough, just do whatever he wants to do. That's just not his way. He is big enough. He is a sovereign God. Sovereign simply means. There's none higher. You know, in my family, there's none higher than me. But I promise you, that does not mean that I get to do anything I want, anytime I want. God is sovereign. But you know, he's limited himself to his own word. You know, God cannot violate his own Word. And God cannot do for you what He told you to do. And that's where the rub is for many Christians. They're begging and wanting God to do for them what He told them to do. He told us to ask the Father. Some of this stuff about prayer is so simple, but we miss it. You shouldn't be making your requests for finances or healing or anything to Jesus. Jesus said, Don't do that. He said, if you need it, you want anything, you ask the Father. In the name of Jesus. And he will grant it you. So don't don't stumble over the simplicity of that. When you're praying the prayer of faith, the prayer of petition, you want something, you need something. You ask the Father in the name of Jesus. That's what you do. You ask the Father in the name of Jesus. I talk to Jesus. Amen. Amen. I acknowledge and talk to the Holy Ghost, but I pray to the Father because that's what Jesus instructed us to do. You know, this scripture is in here for a reason. Your people are clawing and scratching. They want and they need, but they cannot obtain. They cannot obtain. Amen? And he says, you don't have it because you haven't asked for it. You say, well, I have asked for it. I ask for it every night. He he means ask in faith. James has already said in the first chapter that if you lack wisdom, ask of the Lord, and he will give it to you liberally, but let them ask in faith, nothing wavering, nothing hesitating, no doubting. For he that doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven by the wind and tossed, And he says just very plainly, let not that person think that he'll receive anything of the Lord. So if you're asking in fear, that don't count. If you're asking in desperation, that don't count. If you're asking a hoping and a wishing and a wondering, that don't count. You have to ask in faith. In other words, you have to ask and be sure of the answer before you ask it. James chapter 4, verse 3 goes on and gives another reason why we might fall short of the promises of God. We ask, but we ask amiss. And it tells you what, in that scripture, what asking amiss means. You ask amiss that you might consume the answer, what you're asking for, on your own lust. It's it's a selfish, right? If you want God to heal you, you, heal your lungs so you can go back and smoke more cigarettes, you're you're asking amiss. You got cirrhosis of the liver because you drink too much and you want him to heal you so you can keep drinking, you have asked amiss. If you want God to bless you with money so that you can fill up your weekend with recreation and neglect the house of God, you have asked amiss. Why do you want to be healed? Do you want to be healed so you can serve? Do you want to be healed so you can witness? Do you want to be healed so that you can... Uh, Walk out the plan of God for your life? Or do you want to be healed for your own selfish aim? So you might be asking, but the motive behind the ask God is looking at. Why do you want to raise? In your financial plan, do you have any plan or thought about giving more, adding to different ministries, doing more for God financially, or is it just all about you, your for and no more? Thank you. Hallelujah. So I think sometimes we know these scriptures are there. We've read them. We read them all the time as we read our Bibles. But we think it's so simple we just, we just skip right over it and we're violating it. I think a lot of people think that they are seeking first the kingdom of God. And they're not. They think they are, but they're not. They ought to get before God. If things aren't being added to us, then we're not seeking first the kingdom of God because Jesus is not a liar. He said in Matthew 6.33, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added. What? The, the house, the car, the needs, everything they've been talking about. Everything the Gentiles are out there craving and lusting after. Amen. All those things, the food, the clothes, everything you need, want, drink, you know, for your family should be being added to you. If they're not being added to me, it's my responsibility to go before God and say, where am I missing it? Amen. Amen. Just to quote another verse, you know, Mark eleven twenty four comes to play. God has promised. He has promised. and You fill in the blank. There's a promise there that covers your thing. <laughs> well, Mark eleven twenty four, Jesus says, Therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire, just expect it to fall on you like a ripe cherry off a tree. You don't have any part in the matter. No. He said, whatever things you desire... When you pray, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. What if you pray, but you don't believe you take it? When you pray, you will not have it. The requirement is that you pray, but at the time that you pray, you believe you take it. That word means take, to take to oneself. Amen. So you can't pray this way, and go, well, we'll see how that goes, honey. Maybe he heard us. No. You know, we know he's busy running the universe, and I'm just little old me. That's not prayer. <laughs> Brother Hagan said this he said, Very few Christians actually believe they receive at the time that they pray. Very few. And I, I agree with that statement. Well, you and I need to develop a prayer life and a faith life that is such that when we do pray, so don't pray too quick. If you need to feed your faith, Brother Hagin said, I could quote all these scriptures. I could just quote them all, but I don't let myself do that. If I'm believing God for something in the ministry or something for us financially, I go and I physically look up those scriptures. I meditate on those scriptures. I may take two or three days and carry them around on index cards with me, and meditate on that. Why? Because faith comes by hearing. Amen? Your prayer isn't effectual just because you know you have to have faith, and faith comes by hearing. And he said, I'll just meditate on those uh, promises, sometimes for several days. That way, when I do go work Mark 11, 24, I have the faith to use to believe I receive at the time that I pray. Some Christians are just praying too soon. Skipping steps. Amen. Amen. So let's go to Genesis chapter 25. And I want to look at three quick examples of prayer and God's promises working together. So Genesis chapter 25. Genesis chapter 25. The way I sense and I may just teach tonight and then let you go. We'll just see. Amen. We're learning. So when you get to Genesis 25, you are reading about Isaac's story, okay? So Abraham has died his father, but you know Isaac is second generation. It's Abraham, God started this covenant with Abraham. And how many of you know, God gave Abraham promises, didn't he? He said, you know, Abraham said to him one day, he said, I don't have an heir in my house. I'm childless. You're talking to me about having kids that I can't count when I look at the stars. But my heir is a servant in my house. I don't have my own child. And uh, he said, well, you're going to. And no other, you know, I'm paraphrasing. You're going to some uh, one of your own from your own loins. You and your wife. Amen. So that's the promise. And then he said, these promises are to you and to your seed. So Isaac has this same promise from God. God wants to eventually raise up a people unto himself. He wants to uh, now use Isaac as is next in line. How many of you know for this promise... He has the promise of children. He needs to have children. (laughs) Or this thing dies quick. He needs to have children. Well, let's let's look at this. So God promises. It is Isaac's uh, promise to lay hold of and to benefit from. But find verse uh, 20. Genesis 25, 20. And Isaac was 40 years old when he took Rebekah to wife the daughter of Bethuel, the Syrian of Padanaram, Aram, the sister of Laban, the Syrian. And Isaac, I've got my King James, Isaac entreated. What does your verse say? Pleaded. Okay, I like that. Isaac, what was that? Entreated, yeah. Isaac entreated who? The Lord. The Lord for his wife. Why? Because she was barren. And the Lord was entreated of him. He says it twice here in one sentence. He pleaded with the Lord. He talked to the Lord. Now Isaac, if he was like many Christians today, he would have thought and said, I have a covenant. I have a covenant. And he did. I am the heir of my daddy's promise with God. I'm in that covenant. God promised me. So that's all I need to do. One way or another, I'll have a kid. But notice here, there is this mountain that forms in the way of him and the promise. Y'all ever been there? You know, that pain in your body is trying to be a little mountain between you and healing. Those unpaid bills, that's trying to be a mountain between you and my God shall supply all your needs. We have the promise, but in the myth, the devil will work and he will create impossibilities in the form of tall mountains right between you and the promise. And God did promise and it's your promise and it's bought and paid for. But notice Isaac did not have the mentality of, well, because that's true, one day, one day, I'll just kind of wait around one day, one day in God's perfect time. How many of you heard people say, I know God's going to heal me in his perfect time. That's, that's an unscriptural phrase if you know about the covenant and faith. He said, now, now is the day of salvation. Today. Amen. The promise that he gave for your healing has already been bought. But why would he want you to wait? What's, what's in the timing? It's a religious idea that we've bought into. No, healing is Now. And if, if you'll never have it until you make the promise of healing now, right. I'm healed now. Well, I got this thing. No, now you have to believe that you're healed now. And that's what's going to get rid of the thing. Amen. Amen. Well, I, I can't believe for something I don't have. Well, then you'll never have it. Yeah. Jesus said, you have to believe you receive it. And then what did he say? Yeah. And you shall have it. Yeah. Yeah. The believing comes. Believing is not seeing. Believe, yes, it is. Believing is seeing. Seeing is not believing is what I meant to say. Seeing is not believing. It's exactly opposite. Believing is seeing. Amen. We've had to walk around all this time with that thing mocking the promise of God, putting pressure on us. And we just had to walk around and say, ha ha ha, that need is met. That need is met. I don't know how, but that need is met. That need is met. That bill is paid. That project, I call it done. I call it completed. I didn't put it out there in the future. I never use, I never say, you know, when I pray like this, God's gonna. You're just pushing it out, pushing it out. One of these days, I'll be free of my depression. First of all, you called it my depression. It's not, that's from the pit. Then you keep pushing it out by, you know, E.W. Kenyon said Christians are very often tripped up by the tenses. Christians are very often tripped up by the tenses. You've got to get your faith in the right tense. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. The way you read Peter, the way you read that he has given unto us. Even way back there, thousands of years ago, David was able to say, right? He has forgiven all my iniquities. Amen. He has healed all my diseases. Amen. He has redeemed my life. Not he's going to. He has redeemed. See, so David went into battle knowing that God has already redeemed his life from destruction. And we should be able to go into the next bill cycle, financial cycle, the next month, knowing I already have a supply. He's already met my needs. So Isaac has this impossibility that he's facing. He doesn't just wait on God. What does he do? It tells us twice in one sentence. He entreated the Lord. He pleaded with the Lord. I'll say it this way. He prayed. Yes. He took God's promise. And he held it before him. Okay. That's what uh, George Mueller did. The, the, the English Christian uh, guy that oversaw the orphanage he would write down in his prayer journal, he said, okay, Father, this is the 165th day that I've held this before you. I'm expecting. Well, doesn't God know? He does know, but his word tells us. Plead your case. If we had time, we'd go over to Luke 18 where Jesus said, uh, learn the lesson of the unjust judge that we should always pray and not faint. And he tells this story about this widow who went before a bad guy, a judge that was not inclined to do anything for her. But in the parable, she just wore him out. She just wore him out. And he said, I would rather not do anything for her but to get her out of my hair. That's a Cody translation for it. To get her out of my hair, I'm going to grant her her request. Amen. Now, that's not a parable likening, it's a parable of contrast. God is not like the unjust judge who's holding out, holding out, who would rather not do it for you. That tells us, won't our God avenge us speedily? Avenge us speedily. Who, day and night, day and night, bring our petition and keep it before him. You gotta really want it. This is one of the missing ingredients in, in getting answers to prayer. People don't want it enough. you got to be wholehearted. I said you got to be wholehearted. You can't just play with it. I'm a faith person. I play with it. <laughs> no, you have to mean it. You have to be in your heart. You have to really want it. And, and you got to want it more than you want. Are you willing to stand for somebody? I want it if it comes today. But you're not willing to stand tomorrow and the next day and the next day and then the next day. And if you have to, stand forever. Yeah. One minister said, if you would be willing to wait forever, to stand forever for that thing, it would not be very long. Yeah. But if we take this attitude, well, I'll stand here if it, and if it shows up by Friday, great. But if not, I don't know what I'm going to do. Yeah. That's good, man. You're short circuiting your own prayer life and your own faith. So back to verse 21, and Isaac entreated the Lord for his wife because she was barren and the Lord was entreated of him, all this in one verse, and Rebekah, his wife, conceived. Do you see the relationship between God's promise and prayer? Would it have turned around had Isaac not prayed? The Bible evidence we have is exact to the contrary. Nothing did happen until he did pray. Even though God had promised. Don't let your knowledge of what God has promised put you in a waiting mode. Take what God has promised and pipe a, build yourself a pipe. Amen. You hold that before him. You don't ask for it over and over and over again. You ask once, you believe you receive, but the next day you say, Father, I, want, I, I thank you. I thank you that you heard me. If you need to, write the date. I thank you that on such and such day, Thursday at 12 o'clock, in the break room of my office, I believed I received that bill paid, that project, that prayer answered, my healing for and name the thing you are believing, whatever part of your body. And I just want you to know I'm expecting I believe your word. Your word is true in my life. It's the truth and no lie. And I, praise God. And, just, and you just hold it before him. Amen. Glory, glory, glory. Let's look at uh, his brother. Let's go to Genesis 32 and look at something in Jacob's life. So Jacob, of course, is the grandson of Abraham. He is also heir of the same promise. Do you know that you and I in Christ are the heir of the same promise? The very same promise God made to Abraham is ours in Christ. Galatians chapter 3. Hallelujah. So if you remember, Jacob and Jacob was kind of a mama's boy. His brother Esau was, you know, into dad and dad was into him. Esau was technically the firstborn, but of course, Jacob, the name Jacob means deceiver, trickster, liar, that kind of thing. And of course, you remember that Jacob and his mama conspired to steal the blessing of the firstborn that should have gone to Esau. Just by natural, the way God had set it up, generally speaking. And when Esau comes in and asks for his father's blessing and Isaac realizes that he's been had, he already gave that blessing to Jacob. He saw, he's got the spirit of murder all over him. Right? Yes. right? And he vows, he's after him. Yeah. He's going to kill his brother. And he meant it. Yeah. And mama says to mama's boy, to Jacob, you got to leave. Yeah. You got to get up and get out of here. And so he did. So Jacob fled and not... Too many days or, you know, not long after he fled, God spoke to Jacob and said, if you'll tithe, if you'll love and honor me, if you'll believe me and follow me, then I'm going to fulfill the promises I made to your dad and to your grandpa in so many words, and I will bless you. I'll be with you. Things will go well with you, and I will bring you back into this place. Well, you know, Esau had been gone I don't know how long, maybe we know he, was, he worked for Laban for 14 years to get a girl. You know, Rebecca must have been something else. You'd have to be something else for me to be an indentured slave for 14 years to get that girl. Then after the 14 years, he worked for his father-in-law for a number of more years. But then God spoke to him and said, it's time for you to go back. It's time for you to go back. There's only one problem with that, right? His murderous brother Esau that he had not seen, let's say, in 20 years. Right? But he obeys God and he begins to venture back toward home. Well, sure enough, he's got a scouting party out there ahead of him. He and his precious ones are kind of in the back of the pack. And uh, servants come and tell him, Esau, your brother is coming. And he has 400 men with him. Oh, that's where he, you know, needed a change of underwear. Well, does Jacob have a promise? Does he have a word from God that God, that things would go well with him? That he would be blessed by God? And that God would bring him back into this? Is he not being obedient, endeavoring to go back as God had instructed? He's doing all this right. But he doesn't just rely on the promise and the instruction God gave alone. So look at this in Genesis 32 and verse 9. It says, And Jacob said, Oh God, oh God, right? Of my father Abraham. And God of my father, Isaac, the Lord, which said unto me, is he praying? He's praying to God and notice what comes out of his mouth. Oh God, oh God. And he's reminding him of the covenant that he has. And look at that. He reminds God of what God said. That's our job. Our job is to remind God of what he said. You know, during the seven year journey of getting from Jackson Street to here, <laughs> I probably wasn't conscious of it, but I knew God told me to do it. But I mean, the devil and circumstances put massive impossibilities between me, us, and this church, and the promise. I talked to God a whole lot about what He said. You said. God, remember, you said. One of the things, periodically, the Lord actually reminded me of this. I don't currently have it in my book, so I need to get that in there. But I remember, remember that I think it was that same time, honey, I was walking down the long hall at the Kevill House and I you were doing dishes and I yelled out under pressure. I just yelled out. I quit at the top of my voice. And she's in there washing dishes and she goes, no, you don't. Thank God for it. Thank God for it. And um, you know, what if, what if Pastor Amber had said, thank God I've been wanting to quit too? Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Thank you, babe, for not Amen. letting me quit. Amen. I think it was right around that same time God said this to me. He said, Chris, if you don't quit, if you'll go all the way, I'll give you a big work. Amen. That's what God said to me. I'll give you a big work. Amen. Well, see, it's my job not to just forget about that. And because he said it, see, God saying it is your assignment. When he says it, he says it with a purpose. There are some things, most of the things that pertain to our lives, that he has said, they won't happen if we don't take what he said and in prayer and faith hold those things before him. Now, some things he said, they're coming to pass just because he said, like Jesus coming back. Like a judgment day. It doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter whether you confess it. You don't have to confess the second coming. He's coming. You don't have to confess and to prophesy the tribulation period. It's coming. But what God has said about you, think about Psalm 107.20. He sent his word and healed them. Think about, what is it, uh, Reverend Kamal, I think it's Isaiah 54, 55. He said, uh, like the snow that falls, right? Like the rain that comes down, so shall my word be. He said, no word of mine is void of power. Amen. And he says, we, you know, we've got to return his word back to him. So the problem by, uh, you know, 1 Peter 2, 24, that belongs to all of us. But when I return that to him, it's personalized to me. Yep. I have now applied the faith prayer catalyst that unlocks that promise in my life. Amen. The fact that First Peter 2.24 is in the Bible doesn't mean anything to you in terms of actual healing until you do something with it yourself. And so that's what we see Jacob doing here. He begins by reminding God of His covenant that He has and of what He said. And then He talks about, I'm not worthy and, and of all your mercies and all the good. Look at, look at verse 11. Deliver me. Well, doesn't He already have a promise to be delivered? He does. But look at this. Ask not that you have not because you don't ask. Deliver me, I pray thee, from the hand of my brother. So now he's holding before God the impossibility or the obstacle standing between him and the promise. From the hand of Esau, for I fear him, lest he will come and smite me and the mother with the children. And look, he does it again. Verse 12. And you said, you said, I will surely do thee good and make your seed as sand of the sea which cannot be numbered for multitude skip down to verse 22 and he rose that night and took his two wives and his two women servants and his 11 sons and passed over the four Jabok, or how would you how you would say that and he took them and sent them over the brook and sent them over that he had And Jacob was left alone and there wrestled. He wrestled a man with him. Now that's God, right? Amen. Until the breaking of day. And when he, the man he was wrestling with, saw that he prevailed not against him, he touched the hollow of Jacob's thigh. And the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint as he wrestled with him. Does Jacob Really want it. Does he really want? You don't stay up all night for nothing that you don't really want. You really want to work there. Jacob stays up all night. And notice this isn't hammock praying. He's not swinging in a hammock. Looking up at the moonlight. He's wrestling. He's desperate. He's desperate for the promise. He's desperate for a change in his own life. And verse 26 says, And he said, Let me go, for the day breaketh. And he said, I will not let thee go. So you've got to grab hold of the promise of God. Like a bulldog and say, I'm not letting go. I'm not letting go. I don't care how big the debt is. You've got to pay it, Father. <laughs> I don't care how big of a mess I made. You're a merciful God, Father. Amen. I don't care what's going on in my squirrely brain. You said you crowned me with loving kindness and tender mercies and that you give me the peace that passes all understanding that would guard my heart and my crazy mind. You got to really want it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And he said, I will not let you go except you bless me. And he said unto him, what is thy name? And he said, Jacob, deceiver, Liar, trickster, and he said, "Thy name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel. Israel means contended with God, wrestled and persevered with God. The nation we know as Israel means to wrestle and contend with God and to prevail. And ultimately, you know, the nation of Israel, least a remnant of them, will prevail." And they'll be what God promised them to be. And all the promises God ever made to the Jews are going to come to pass. Amen. But you need to be an Israel of God yourself. You need to take the promises of God and get after it in prayer and contend. How about contending for your children? Don't, don't get quiet on me, church. Amen? Amen? You said raise them in the way that they should go and they will not depart from it, Father. I raised them in the church. I raised them best I knew how. They know the truth and I'm believing. I am, I am bringing before you what you said. And I'm expecting my children to come back to God. I love how different preachers have said it at times, different ways I've heard it. Um, I think it was Robert Morris. God dealt with him about going to zero financially. Sell his house, sell his car, sell all, you know, most of his clothes, all the furniture. Uh, how, you got to have a wife go along with that. And she did. And, and he did it. He went down to nothing. He, he went down to zero. He got off into a corner and, you know, he moved out. doesn't have anything else. So he's just sitting on the floor and he starts laughing. <laughs> oh, and he starts laughing. And God says, What are you laughing about? And he says, God, you have a problem. You have a problem. Because I did what you said. I did what you said. And I don't know what verse he quoted, but a good one would be like Isaiah 119. If you be willing and obedient, you will eat the good of the land. If I, I gave and it shall be given unto me. And while he was saying that to God, the phone rang. And breakthroughs. Amen. Come on. Started happening. I just love the way different ones have said it. When we obey God, we we hold it before his promise. It's like uh, the healing of my leg. I said, God, here's what you're going to do. I'm going to get up. I'm going to start walking. You're going to heal me. And he did. Now, I had the promise all the time. I think you're getting the point, right? Hallelujah. So Jacob wrestled with God. And he did not stop praying and believing and having his hand on God about that promise until God did what he said he would do. You know, as a, and we're going to close here, but as a corporate body, we need to hold before God what the prophets have said. We need to hold before God what his own word had said in the last days. God, you said in the last days you would pour out your spirit on all flesh. We need to hold that before him until he does it. Until he does it in Paducah, where I live. I thank God for the reign of the Spirit in South Africa. But I don't live in South Africa. Right. Thank God for what California, if they're, you know, I know Pastor Nancy's experiencing a move, But I live in Paducah. Amen. We go to church here. Yes. Amen. What about miracles? Yes. We need to hold before God miracles. Yes. And we're not going to be satisfied, Father, until you do miracles. Yes. Amen. Amen. Hold it before Him. Let's wear out the Father. But the Bible says we won't have to wear Him out. He's looking to answer our prayers speedily. He will avenge us speedily, that verse says in Luke 18. And so we'll close here. We won't go with the third example, which was Daniel. But um, God, for, for God in this case, to fulfill His promise to Jacob... He got to do a mighty work. It's not like he just had to get money to come or a disease out of a body. He's got a man with a free will that's got the mind, heart, and character of a murderer. Hebrews called him a profane man. And he's got 400 men. And as far as Jacob knows, he's looking for a fight. He's been waiting on this day for 20 years. I just guessed 20. Right? Look at what God did. When they actually met up, Esau, his heart was soft. His heart was soft. He wouldn't even take. He, you know, Esau had to almost force Esau to take a gift and cattle and, you know, and whatever. And so notice here, in that moment, God supernaturally changes Jacob, he didn't leave that prayer time the same. He leaves with a new name. No longer is he in his character a deceiver, a trickster. No longer is he that. But instead, now when he leaves that prayer time, he's a different man. He's a different man. And God works that same miracle in Esau's heart. He's a different man. And God's promise is fulfilled. That's an amazing thing to that God would be able to change and alter someone's will, right? Someone's character and their intent to fulfill his promise. But he did. He did. But it wasn't just the work of the promise that did it. It was the promise and a persevering won't be denied faith-filled prayer claim on that promise. You know, when they opened the Oklahoma Territory for settlement in 1889, yes, when they hit the gun, the land is there to be claimed. The promise of the land is there. But they still had to race out on their wagons and horses and stake their own personal claim. So, Reverend Conwell, you have to stake your own personal claim. On the promises of God. Amen. 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 And that's true for all of us. Are you helped? Amen. I believe you're helped. I'm helped. Amen. Get in the book and find out what's promised. And then don't be content to do without it. Just because you've found a way to be okay living way down here compared to the promise of God. Stir yourself out of that complacency. Let's live. God needs us living at the promise. Our testimony is better when we live up here at the promise. Don't be content. Well, we're not divorced, but you're not happy. We're glad you didn't get divorced, but get happy. we want you to be happy. God wants there to be love in your home. Don't, don't, don't be content the, the month you finally are current on all your bills. You hadn't arrived until you have houses that are paid for. And you're living the best of the land. You, you and I have not arrived. Anyway, why don't you stand up on your feet tonight.